Welcome to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. I'm your host, Scott Ramage. And in this episode, we are going to chat with JC Wagaman. JC and I talk about losing his dad at the age 10, being homeless by the age 15, and then have finding success in the insurance industry by the age 20. JC has been through quite a transformation as a man, a husband, and a father. For and um, he has been married for 16 years. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I really enjoyed and learned a lot from our, my chat with JC. Hey, welcome to the show, JC. How you doing today? I'm doing outstanding, man. How about you? I'm all right. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. And um, I, we were introduced through uh, another gentleman uh, that I, Brian Aldi, that I interviewed on the podcast not too long ago, and he does um, a, a Warrior 100 or a Warrior 110, I believe it is. And it's a it's a nonprofit event that he and a buddy have done. And he messaged me. He's like, "Hey, you've got to you've got to talk to this guy." And I said, "Well, introduce me." And he introduced us, and it was um, right out of the gates. I kind of felt like uh, we needed to talk. So I'm really pumped that we're at this place. You're my brother from another mother. It sounds That's right. <laughs> so yeah, uh, those of you, we, we, uh, we, JC and I hopped on the phone for a 15 minute call to decide, you know, if this uh, podcast, how that was going to work out and uh, what did it end up almost an hour? So that, I think it was even over that. Yeah, it was really, I really enjoyed it. So, um, so first of all, let's just go ahead and start how, how we got connected because Brian is doing this, um, this nonprofit thing and, and tell me, give me a little backstory how this whole connection works. Yeah. You know, um, I own an insurance agency and, and we'll probably get into that here in a little bit. But, um, one of the things that we do is we partner with various nonprofits to help make an impact in and around our community. And through a set of circumstances, I got introduced to Brian not that long ago because I was looking for a veterans group, um, organization to support, uh, around veterans day, which is coming up here on, in November. And so I got introduced to Brian that way. And um, much like our conversation, I went down to meet him for coffee for 30 minutes. And four hours later, I was still talking to him. And, um, you know, it's funny when, when you just connect with somebody, it's amazing what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're in insurance and um, tell me how that ties to nonprofit. I mean, we're going to get there, but let's, let's jump right into that real quick. So our insurance agency, um, you know, kind of was set up with the purpose of making, using insurance as a vehicle to make an impact in and around our community. And we do that by donating a portion of every dollar our customers pay in premium back to nonprofits in and around our community that impact two groups of people. It either helps elevate the human condition, meaning helps speed clothes or educate people, or it impacts our military veterans and first responders, such as police and fire. So, um, that's what we do. We, we partner with them and we promote those organizations to everybody we talk to. Uh, we get the word out about them because, you know, oftentimes most people have a, a generous heart and want to help. Uh, they might not necessarily know how to reach people. And, um, you know, so I, I want to share their message so that other people can find these organizations. And you know what? The people I'm talking to, they might not be vic victims of human trafficking but they might know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who is, and maybe just maybe we can connect one person with this organization that's kind of set up to help people like that. Um, so that's essentially, you know, uh, what we do is, is we use insurance as a vehicle to help support and promote these, these various groups that support uh, the causes that we've aligned with. Wow. Okay. So I think a lot of people are probably wondering why in the world would you want to give some of your, I mean, we, we all understand like, but that's such a commitment because you're not just saying, Hey, I'm going to give this much this month or I give to this. It's, Hey, I'm going to commit my entire business revenue is going to be tied to other things going on out in our community, which is incredible. It's a huge uh, thing to do. It, it's a, it, it, I mean, it's, it's coming pretty much directly out of your pocket, but Absolutely. So let's rewind. What's the story that, that got to this? So we're going to rewind this back a few years, um, back to when I was 10 years old. And when I was 10 years old, my father passed away. And uh, it was just my mom and I. 
and through a series of of circumstances that followed by 15 I found myself uh, my mom and I living on different people's couches in and around our community because essentially we were homeless mm-hmm. and um, you know we'd stay on this family's couch for a couple weeks and then we'd go to this family's couch for maybe a month and uh, you know I've reached out to a lot of those people since this time and just thanked them um, because they did something at the time that they might not have realized the impact that it had on me but I've just thanked them for the impact that they've had in my life Um, so going from homeless, I just decided that I did not want that to be my story. Um, you know, you you see these people in life that are way off the beaten path and have lost their way. And a a lot of times they choose to use their circumstances, um, to play the victim card essentially. And I just knew at a very young age, I don't know how or why I did I just knew I didn't want that to be my story. I didn't want, I didn't want to be that guy the rest of my life. And so I worked my tail off and was able to get a full ride scholarship to go to college. Uh, went to Ball State University. And, you know, when you're 20, 21 years old, the opposite of free lunch and homeless is money. And I have to shamefully say that in my 20s, I fell in love with money. I ran as hard and as fast away from my circumstances as I could. And the, the opposite of that was money. So um, somebody told me when I was 21 years old, hey, have you ever met a poor, rich insurance or an old, an old poor insurance guy? And I said, no, no, I haven't. And um, so that resonated with me for all of the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I chased that because that's what I wanted. I, I was going to be successful, uh, come hell or high water. And so I ran, I ran down that path and graduated college, went to work for an insurance company. And, uh, by the time I was 23, I was making six figures on and, and I just, I fell in love with money. So then fast forward to 2008 when the recession happened. Um, and I've often heard get on your knees or God will put you there. And so I was humbled. I was humbled, humbled tremendously. I lost over a million dollars of business in about 12 months and uh, which equated over six figures a year in income that was just gone. And God stuck a mirror in front of me and just said, Hey, look who you've become. This isn't who I created you to be. And it was at that moment that um, I accepted Christ into my life and um, I didn't like who I had become. And so I stuck around in that industry for another couple of years. And then um, in 2011, I decided to get out of the industry altogether. Um, It was too painful for me to be there now, whether that was because I didn't like who it had turned me into. That was probably part of it. Um, uh, You know, this money loving person, uh, maybe it was the pain of working so hard for all that time only to have it all disappear. Uh, I just, I didn't like it. So I got out of the industry altogether and I did a lot of different things. I I went down a lot of rabbit holes and, and I just never found what I was looking for. Um, I just kept running into dead ends, whether that be through, um, people that would promise me one thing and, and deliver something else or organizations that just didn't operate with the same set of principles that I, I had come you know, even though I was a person who had fallen in love with money, I still operated with integrity. You know, I never sacrificed my integrity for the success. And that is something I do take pride in because I can honestly say that I was successful without having to lie, cheat, or steal. Um, So through a series of dead ends and working for people that I just, you know, I can't, I'm not going to lie to somebody to get a deal. I, I never have and I never will. And I finally had had enough, you know, I was approaching my 40th birthday and I said, I've got to go do something different. And I'm sick and tired of trying to find where I fit. So I'm going to go create where I fit. I'm going to build a business based off of my principles, um, based off of what I value and go from there. So now that I've decided to go start a business, I got to go find a business to start. Right. And so talking to my wife, she was like, you know, you were really good at insurance. Why don't you go back and do that? And I was like, you know, I just, I don't know that I can do that again. It's too painful. But in looking at it, you know, I was sitting in church one day and it was like a lightning rod through my soul. And it just, uh, it hit me. What if we use insurance as a vehicle, not for my own prosperity, 
but to make an impact in and around our community. And so that's essentially what we did. So I started formulating a business plan around that idea, um, around using a business as a vehicle to make an impact in and around our community. Um, so back in August of 2019, that's where Catalyst Insurance Group was born, and that's where the idea came from. And, uh, you know, even on the back of my business card here, it says condition, event, or person that is cause of an important change. That's the definition of a catalyst. And so um, that's where we have it. That kind of brings you up to today. So we've been in business about 14 months and um, have been able to make some pretty sizable donations to organizations. I feel sizable. Um, so it's just been exciting. It's been awesome, man. It uh, gives me purpose. I, I just had some customers in my office earlier today and we were talking and, you know, starting a business is great, but it's hard. And when you run up against that wall, what's going to push you through? Because when you're chasing a paycheck, it's, it's fleeting. Number one, it's like swimming after a beach ball in a pool, but um, you just don't have that. You don't have that motivation to keep going when it gets hard. And so I had to have a greater purpose than a paycheck. So, you know, now it's about the impact that we can make. How many lives can we touch um, with our giving? So that brings us up to today, man. That's, that's how we got here. And, and um, so, yeah. So there's a, there's a uh, 2011, you, you stepped out of insurance. Yep. So you'd been doing insurance for what? 10, 10 years. 10 years. And then, um, you tried, I would think, quite a few things if you have a gap between 2011 and 2019. Yeah. Was it tough providing for your family through that? Um, you know, this kind of, this, <laughs> uh, we talked a little bit before the show, um, you know, about my marriage. And this is where things really started to get off the rails. Um, you know, I decided I was going to market a travel club and uh, did that, did a lot, had a lot of fun doing it, um, met a lot of great people didn't make very much money, but I kind of just, I told my wife that I was going to go do it with or without her. Oh, and, and you don't do that. You know, in hindsight, man, I was just very, very selfish. And so I did that for about five years and um, just never quite got that off the ground to the degree that I'd like. Had a lot of fun, but um, so then I, you know, uh, worked for a equipment rental company um, in sales and marketing because what, one constant for me is I've always been about the relationship. No matter what I've done, I've always been about the relationship. So um, if you have the ability to build relationships with other people, then um, you, you, you can pretty much do anything. And so I did that and then left there to go to a furniture company that was a startup and then office furniture. That just, that never worked out. And that's when I finally realized that that was enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, a lot of men that do, they do chase the next big thing and and go through these these times in their life where they're putting all of their effort, all their time for the sake of their family and turn around and realize that I know that happened for me, realize that I'm missing really what matters. And you have, you have two kids. How old are your kids? Uh, I have a son, Aiden, who's 10 and a half. Okay. And my uh, beautiful daughter, Ellie just turned seven. Okay. So, um, so you had Aiden when you were just out of insurance. It sounds yep. like. I'm doing he was, yeah, he was a year old. Okay. Yeah. So how did you, how do you feel about your, how you did as a father and a husband those, those few years? Um, not, not good. You know, uh, one of the things that I always think about is what, what I've done things differently. Right. And, um, you know, am, am I, I don't, know, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, but I don't regret anything I did because I like who I am now. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Um, but I had to, God had to refine me. Um, he had to put me through the ringer and, you know, and I would fight. <laughs> I would fight that direction oftentimes. And, um, but I do like where things are at now. Uh, things are a lot better as far as the father and the husband thing go, but it was pretty rocky there at times. Uh, what I found is I wasn't good at anything. I wasn't being a good father. I wasn't being a good business person. I wasn't being a good husband. I wasn't being a good 
um, follower of Christ, I, um, when, when, when you're so inwardly focused, it's really hard to be good at anything else. Yeah. So what was the, uh, let's use the word catalyst. What was the catalyst in changing you from um, someone you're, yourself describing as not good at anything to <laughs> uh, what, what was the catalyst in that? You know, I'm assuming uh, you're better father and husband now in the way that you're speaking. So, yeah, you know, my, my wife and I fell in some pretty rocky times and, um, I don't think either of us want to admit how close we were to not making it through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were, you know, we both made a commitment before God and our friends and our family that we, you know, when we said I do, it was for forever. Um, till death do we part, not till I can't stand you anymore do we part. And so um, we, we, we both had that as a commitment that, that we were committed to each other. And through some work at the church, through some prayer, through some being around the right people at the right time, um, we ultimately um, shed that um, filth of who we had become. You know, my wife started to resent me for my selfish ways. And even though I tried to not be so selfish, she still had that resentment. Well, that resentment was returned by me with more resentment towards her. And it was just this horrible snowball effect. Yeah. And um, so I recommitted to communication and through the power of grace, um, you know, she forgave me for, for my past issues. And um, yeah, that, that's, uh, I wish that I could say that there was some magical button I pushed or some book I read or some special prayer I said, and the next day I woke up, everything was better. But, um, you know, it's just been this little incremental, incremental improvement over time, focusing on what's really important. And, um, you know, you make a triangle between you, your wife and the Lord. And as you, as you move upward, upwards towards God, you can't help but grow closer together as a family. Um, and so just trying to do that. Are we perfect? No, not at all. Um, but we're so much further along than where we used than where we used to be. Yeah. It's, it's uh, a lot of work. I mean, that's, that's the thing you're saying is it's a lot of work. There's no magic button. I mean, you know, you, you attribute your faith, you attribute your, um, just a, a lot of different elements there, but the bottom line is it's a lot of work. What, uh, so I want to rewind a little bit because I, I, you said something in when you were 20, you were chasing money because you didn't have it growing up. So at that point, was this a, was this a desire to find your identity, to develop your identity? I want to talk a little bit about identity because I think a lot of men struggle with what defines them. Yeah. It, um, you know, I just remember being in middle school. I think that's when it started noticing the kids that had the nicer clothes, you know, the kids that had the nicer shoes, the kids who lived in the bigger houses and whose parents drove the nicer cars. And, and, um, you know, our society kind of throws that in our face all the time. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, and then in middle school, kids are cruel in general. Um, and so that started getting thrown in my face and, uh, I just started to realize that other people had a lot of stuff that I didn't have. And, you know, when you're in the middle of the situation, you don't really realize the situation. (laughs) Um, and so, um, I just felt less than, I guess you could say, and you got to also understand, I did, you know, I had a lot of animosity towards God because when my dad died in the, the series of circumstances that followed, um, I have to say I was, I was agnostic at best. And then on some days, probably even atheist to the, to a point. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just, uh, it, my identity wasn't in anything but stuff. So naturally, you know, when I had an opportunity to take some of that control, I was like, well, you know what, I'm going to show you, I'm not going to be the free lunch kid anymore. Right. You know, and I remember this very vividly. I used to go back to my hometown where I grew up. Um, it was a big, a very, very uh, economically diverse community. A lot of extremely wealthy and a lot of extremely poor um, were in this community. But 
Um, you know, I had done pretty well for myself in my early 20s financially. And so we would always go back up there with our, you know, with our fancy toys. We'd take our boat up there and go hang out on the lake. I always joke, I spent more time on the lake after I graduated high school than when I lived there. Yeah. Because um, it made me feel, I mean, it, it made me feel good inside, but it was false. It was a false sense of, of pleasure, I guess you could say. You know, it was kind of the, how do you like me now mentality. Which right. Is, Something to prove. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've chosen now to prove myself in other ways. So earlier you mentioned it's like chasing a beach ball in water, you know, when you're taking that stroke and it just keeps moving away because of the waves you're pushing. So what did you, what did you mean about what, let's go in a little bit further into that. Well, you know, um, you think that it's going to fill a hole in your heart. You think it's going to, by, by getting this or achieving this, it's going to fill something inside. Um, but no matter what you get it, the harder you try to get it, the bigger the hole gets. Okay. And, um, it, it's never, it's never enough because there's always more, right? Right. There, there's always something else to chase. And so, um, putting your identity in, in that, in stuff, in money, in status, status was another big one, but they're kind of closely related. Um, you know, putting your identity in that kind of stuff, just, at the end of the day, if you're going to be honest with yourself, if you're going to look in the mirror and, and truly have one of those quiet moments where the only person that's looking at you is, is you. Um, I don't know of it. I, I never felt satisfied. You know, it just, I just, it was just a very empty feeling. So when, when did that change for you? I mean, you said you, you, um, everything kind of changed in 2008. Yeah. I, um, I got tired of trying to do life by myself. That was essentially what it was. Mm -hmm. I just, I always felt up until that point that I had control over everything. That if, if it is to be, it's up to me, you know, one of those cliche things. And I just felt that I could control them. You know, if I, because up until that point in my life, if I did this, this, and this, I got this, this, and this. And it was at that point though, that I was doing this, this, and this, but I wasn't getting the same results because it was out of my control. And, um, that weight, that horrible pressure of trying to be somebody that you're not going against the grain as to who you were created to be and going against the grain of who your true identity is in, um, was just a, a weight. I, I carried so much anger inside. I was angry that I was doing this and not getting this. I was angry that my circumstances weren't different. I was angry that the relationship with my wife was, was, was bad. Um, I, was, I, I was angry about so many things and I finally gave up being angry. You know, that's when I said, get, get on your knees, God will put you there. Yeah, I, 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 I remember it very vividly. I can tell you exactly where I was standing. I can tell you almost word for word the conversation my wife and I had. I just I said, I can't do it anymore on my own. I'm done. I'm tired. And I was only 28. How was her reception to that? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty profound move, m moment. I call it kind of like the opening your eyes or the, the, the big aha moment that I think, honestly, almost every man goes through. I think there's a period, I, it just seems very repeated where there's just so much selfish going on. And then we have this big, like, oh, I have been doing this completely wrong. And you definitely had one of those moments. So how did your wife respond and what happened during those times? Um, she, well, she was a very, she was a strong follower of Christ um, before, before I was. And, um, she was very relieved because, you know, she'd been praying for a long time for, for that to happen. And, um, you know, I just, I feel like my hard candy shell had been broken away and now I'm just kind of goo, you know, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, I didn't have an identity at that point. I didn't feel, I mean, I knew who I was, was gone. And I'm like, 
you know, I give up, you know, I surrender. That's really the, that's really the, the biggest word is surrender. And it was at that point, I almost, almost like our relationship hit a reset button. Mm. I would love to say that it was this perfect ascension into marital bliss that, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of ups and downs through that time. But if you flatten that out and look at it, it's been a gradual climb and a gradual, um, but I had to stop damaging things like I was doing, being so inwardly focused and dealing with my own issues, you know, um, of my past. Did you really find your identity um, right away or is this a long process? I mean, you had this oh, uh, defining moment, then you, you kind of go through, a, you know, what it was, eight year stint of trying to find the right work. And a lot of times men really wrap their identity in work. So you kind of dealing with a double whammy. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, my identity was my work. Mm -hmm. And so now I got to have a, a different identity. And um, it, it's just a process. Um, and I don't think that process ever ends, to be honest with you. I think in our, we all wish that we could just do work for a little while and then be done. Um, but it, unfortunately it doesn't work that way. Right. Um, you know, I like to, I guess, I guess a good analogy would be, it's like a bungee cord and it's tied to your back and you run, oh, you know, towards who you feel you should be. But as soon as you stop pursuing that, it rips you right back. Mm -hmm. Um, because the flesh is weak, you know? And so, um, you just, you got to constantly keep pursuing that, uh, you know, who, who you want to be. So, you, you know, you, you left insurance and it was who you were. That, that's how you identified. It probably wasn't who you were, but it's how you identified. Yep. Has there been, you've been back insurance for, I think, 14, 15 months now. Has there been a slide of thinking in that or is, are, are you completely free from that? And it's, uh, this is a completely different show now. Um, yes and no. Um, my motives and my intention is completely different. Right. What drives me is completely different. Um, I have noticed, um, for example, the more attention I put, I've never been able to balance everything at the same time. Like I've never had my mental, my spiritual, my financial, my career, everything firing on all cylinders at the same time. It's like once I start to accelerate over here, something else falls apart. Right. And um, so, you know, if I had to say, you know, my physical health, my physical well-being is slid a little bit. Um, and then you start to get the guilt over that. And that leads to the mental well-being starting to slide a little bit. And, you know, those two combined start to pull you out of the spiritual well-being. It's that slippery slope. Yeah. You know, business is great. My mission, my purpose is awesome. It's on point. But I start to feel some of those other areas sliding. Now, the biggest difference between now and then is self-awareness. Being able to recognize what's going on, being able to recognize where you're at. And, and that comes from experience of having been there and seeing yourself start to slide back into that. Um, you know, I, I, so many times I listen to podcasts, I listen to guests, and it, it's like they bypass the struggles. Right. You talk, you talk about all the great stuff and and they, they just skip right over. I, I always like to say people love the rags to riches story, but nobody wants to read the book. Well, the, the middle is always left out. Right. You just, it's just not a story that's told. Uh, however, if you were to get into the meat of anybody that went from rags to riches, there is a, an extreme amount of failures and ups and downs and rock bottoms and high peaks. You know, you, you were saying about, 
um, kind of this equilibrium or this, or this, my finances and health and all these things, you know, you kind of picture it like a wheel and you want everything as big and far out as possible, as high on the scale as possible, but equally across all, you know, I equate it to fitness. If I want to do a 500 pound dump or a deadlift and I want to run a five, a sub five minute, uh, mile, which by the way, I can't do any of those, either of those, no matter what. <laughs> but if I wanted to do that, if I had the physical capability, doing those at the exact same time would amass all of my energy. Because I, if I'm focusing on my deadlift, I'm definitely slowing down my run and vice versa. And so it's the same in life. I feel like as men, we start to pursue like the, the, the pinnacle of business or the pinnacle of financial freedom or the, or the pinnacle of being a father or the pinnacle of this or that. And something's going to give. It, you, it, you can't be everything to everyone. And so finding a balance typically means you're not going to succeed probably at the very highest levels of anything. Um, and I think when we get out of balance is when things really start to get rock, rocky. Yeah, it, um, things start to get raw, you know, um, you rub a certain part along, you know, it's just like a new pair of shoes, you, you rub a certain part of your foot the wrong way long enough, you're going to get a blister, mm -hmm. then eventually you're going to start limping, and um, the, the thing, like I said, the flesh is weak, and those things happen in our life that we'd like to think we learn from. And we did learn from what I learned is to recognize when I'm going back there. It's not that I learned not to be that person. It's just to recognize the symptoms that I'm heading back into that spot. Yeah. Right. You know, whether that be selfishness, whether that be um, poor health, whether that be financial, whatever it's, it's, I don't let myself get to the bottom of the hill and to the bottom of the hole before I, start to take corrective actions. I think that's ultimately what wisdom is and where correction comes from is that you just recognize when you're on your way there, you know, um, I, I can, I can say that I battle depression from time to time. And I just know it used to be, I would start to feel depressed and then I'd be mad at myself for feeling depressed, which leads to more depression and more withdrawal. And then that leads to even more, and it's this vicious cycle to where I'd be down and out for two, three weeks at a time. Now it's, I, I've come, I've come to terms and come to grips with this, that I'm going to have a really crappy day about every six weeks. Mm -hmm. And to just say, you know what, today's going to be that day. And just embrace it and say, hey, this, this, this is it. You know this is coming. And hit the reset button. Just don't let one day turn into two. Yeah. And, don't let, and I don't get mad about it anymore. I don't right. fight it. It's just like I told my wife this, gosh, just this week, I wish I was more emotionally strong. Yeah. I think I'm we not. are. I, so I want to pump the brakes here. I want to stay at this, at this intersection for a little bit, because I think that there's a lot unspoken um, that needs to be spoken about because I have really, really bad days. And, and um, I have yet to meet somebody who doesn't if I really authentically know them. And so um, I think one thing as men that we must do is, and I, you and I chatted about this before, is the vulnerability. Yeah. Like if once we become vulnerable, we're not only listening to ourselves and learning about ourselves, we're allowing other people into our lives to lift us up as well as learn from us. Like, you know, I tell my boys, tell my wife, I'm having a really bad day. I'll get over it, but I'm having a really bad day and embracing it and moving forward. Right. Okay. That's yeah. That's, uh, that, that's exactly it. Just embrace it. Don't. Don't let it spill over, you know, um, and, you know, let's, let's talk about vulnerability. I think that's something very hard for men to do because through most of their life, but at least in their adolescence and into their teens and, and young adulthood, when you were vulnerable with somebody, especially somebody your age, neither of you are mature enough to handle it. 
and it gets ends up getting used against you. And, you know, just think back to the middle school locker room or the high school locker room. If you were vulnerable, it got used against you. Um, and so I think we carry that pain with us through into adulthood to where we don't want to be vulnerable with anybody because we don't want it used against us. And that's ultimately people's fear. But, you know, in order for two people to truly connect, whether that be husband and wife or father and son or father and daughter or um, two men, uh, buddies that are, that, that are just trying to look for some authentic friendship, you can't connect without being vulnerable. Otherwise, you know, you just got two walls that are beating their heads against each other. Right. And it's very surface level. You know, people that back in my pre-vulnerability days, my relationships consisted of, yeah, man, this weather kind of stinks. How about them Cowboys? You know, what's going on with, with your sports team? Exactly. You know, and it's very superficial, very surface level stuff. You know, they're not supposed to talk about feelings. They're not supposed to talk about emotions. You know, and there's going to be some guys that listen to this that'll probably be like, ah, nah, that's a bunch of mushy stuff. I can just tell you my life is a lot more fulfilling once I learn to be vulnerable with others because I can have true authentic friendships. I can have true authentic relationships with people. Yeah. And, and, you know, we must practice uh, the things that we need to be good at and, and husbands will connect on an emotional level. Let's, let's be very straight and clear here. This is coming from me. Women thrive on emotional intimacy, typically emotional intimacy, men, sexual intimacy. So uh, we are always striving for, <laughs> you know, the man's conquests. We want, we want to have sex with our wives. Um, and, and it's a, an amazing thing. Well, if we can become vulnerable with our wives and listen to their vulnerabilities, not fix them, listen to them. It, that increases <laughs> right yeah we have to laugh at that that increases our our emotional vulnerability there is a ton of growth that happens through that but also i'm just giving guys a little a little hint here that emotional vulnerability that emotional intimacy with your spouse will lead to your ultimate conquest so um just just you know for the day or week or whatever it is <laughs> but but i think vulnerability is something that we are so as a maybe as a culture american culture maybe it's a world culture for men it's 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 weak to be vulnerable where i actually think uh, your real strength comes out when you learn to be vulnerable and be real well i just quit trying to pretend who i was mm -hmm. um because it's exhausting it is exhausting not being who you are. And when you're trying to put on this front, like you're a certain, you, you're trying to be this person that you've created who you think you are. And, but in reality, you know, inside you don't feel that way. It is exhausting. That's probably what led me to my knees in 2008. I was exhausted and it's been a process to learn how to be myself. But I just know that some people, and I aren't going to resonate. Right. You know, we're just not. And other people are, we're going to be great friends. And that's just the way, the way it is. And, um, you know, is, is there a greater vulnerability than to say, I'm a sinner and you're a sinner? That's what we have in common. Yeah. I mean, neither of us are perfect in the eyes of our creator. So after that, what else matters? Right. We're not all batting a thousand. None of us, none of us are. <sighs> and, and you know how freeing it is to say that? Right. Right. To say, I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. Everything in my life's not perfect from one man to another. That is like the greatest exhale sigh of relief that you can have. Yeah. And I know it's needed. I know it's needed. And here's how, because there was a day I was having a rough day and I just decided to, in the brotherhood group, I decided to make the post, Hey, it's been a, a tough day. And I kind of, you know, elaborate, lab elaborated without getting into details. And just the whole message was we all have these. It's not that we go through these. It's how we handle them. Probably one of the most interacted with ever posts in the group. Men just, 
it was it was it was very re, um, refreshing to me because they are men are searching for other men to model that it's okay because they're they're feeling it but they they're hiding it and then there's this release that happens when you realize that it's okay to have a bad day it's okay to not be the perfect husband I am not the perfect husband I am not the perfect dad I am not the perfect employer or employee or podcaster or mountain biker or whatever it is and I never will be right but I, I'm gonna do my very best to get there but I can't get there without self-actualization and understanding where I fall short yeah you know just don't beat yourself up give yourself grace yep, yep. you know um, give yourself grace to not be perfect and just continually pursue improvement that's one thing you know for me I am always grateful for all of the blessings in my life. Um, you know, I, I always have gratitude for the things that, that are in my life, but at the same time, I'm also never content knowing that I can do better. Right. And so I'm constantly pursuing improvement in everything. I love constructive criticism. Absolutely love it. Tell me where I can be better. You know, and, um, Maybe they understand that. Maybe they don't. Um, can you still hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. You're Might have out there for a second, but um, tell me, tell me where I can improve. Tell me where I can be better. That's just, um, you know, I'm going to take that. I'm going to process that. I'm going to learn from that. Um, to to constantly be learning into refinement. We never get there. No. You're never going to have it all together. Um, so it's just uh, submitting, submitting to that process of life, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I have found that having other men in my life that are willing to be very upfront and, and speak exactly. And, but, but it has to be the right in the right context. It's gotta be love. Yeah. The guy that, will tell you because he want he genuinely wants you to improve. Um, what have you done to make, to surround yourself with the right men that kind of can, you know, the iron shop sharpens iron thing is way overused, but it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal way to explain. You know, uh, we can bash social media. Um, and lately there's been a lot of reasons to bash social media. <laughs> But one of the one of the great things is it enables you to build a bigger net yep. and to catch other fish. Um, you know, I've made some great connections strictly through social media. I mean, that's how you and I connected, if you right. think about it. Yeah. I mean, what are the odds? But um, you know, I do that. I'm always willing to meet new people. Um, met a lot of people through our church. It's an area I could definitely improve on. Um, you know, that's one thing I told, I, I was talking to my wife about that I need some more accountability in my life. Yep. Cause it's too, if, if left to my own devices, I will fail. I know that I need more, I need more male accountability in my life. And she's like, well, you know, until you find that rely on me. I'm like, it's not the same. It's not. I mean, I appreciate that. Right. I do appreciate that, but you know, um, having another guy at the gym at five o'clock in the morning that you're supposed to meet to work out with, you can't let, you can't let your brother down, you know, right. having that kind of accountability is, is just different. Yeah. And, and it, you, you may not know this, but really brotherhood of fatherhood was birthed from my search for that. And it's like, Hey, if I can't find it, I'm going to create it. And the fatherhood has it, it's just part of the name it's about a brotherhood it's about other men on a similar journey being willing to be challenged and be are ready to be challenged that's the that's the thing and you're right social media has a lot of very negative things but it has brought me together with people that i would have never met in my life who've who have completely helped me grow given me amazing concepts to consider um, you know, our conversations have been um, very uh, real and, and it's always a great reflection when I'm hearing from another man, the things he's gone through, very similar in line with what I've gone through. The crazy thing is, the crazy thing is, JC, the things that you and I went through are very similar 
And the fact is, is that there are many, many, many men out there who are experiencing the exact same stories, but we all feel completely isolated. So in that way, social media, podcasts, all these things are an opportunity for us to share that. Um, and I, I'm, I feel very blessed by it. I, I really do. What I would, I would just say a direct message to, to the people that are listening to this, that if you are, if you are a father um, or a man, just know that it's okay to not have it all together. Yep. That um, it's okay not to be perfect. And it's, you know, there is no, um, you don't have to live up to anything other than yourself. And and you want to talk about being a better father, just be a better person. If you're a better person and more true to yourself, the fatherhood part will follow. That's uh, one of our, one of the things that Josh and I talk about a lot and, and kind of the concept is like, if you, uh, become a better husband. It, basically, if you become a better man, you'll be a better husband. If you're a better husband, you'll be a better father. If you're a better father, you'll be a better community member. It just goes in circles. Basically, you just need to become a better man. You need to learn how to uh, just continually grow. Do hard things because none of this, nothing that we've talked about today was probably easy for you. How hard yeah. is it to biz- build a business from the ground up? I mean- well, are you tied to any organization? You can't be because you're giving revenue away. Right. No, I'm not. It's, um, it, it's you know, it's, it, it's a journey. It's a struggle. It's hard. You know, yeah. I have to, I do have to say that if it wasn't for my wife, my wife's been supporting our family since I started this business. Yep. Um, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I'm great. I'm so grateful. She's such an amazing, uh, an amazing person to be willing to do that. Um, but she's bought in on this vision too. And that's a big difference. A huge deal. Um, you know, I've done other business ventures in the past. Like I said earlier that I was going to do this with or without you. And when she's not bought in, you're, you're doomed to fail from the start. Yeah. One, one of two things is going to fail your business or your marriage. Very true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I want to, uh, like, I kind of want to close on that a little bit. I want to, I want to spend a little more time before we, we wrap this up is um, kind of being on the same page with your wife in your business. There's a lot of men that uh, I think that dream about being entrepreneurial, dream about starting their own business and ask questions about it. And um, I've done multiple businesses without my wife's real consent or buy-in in the vision. And it wasn't bad business practice. It wasn't ever money that led to, the, to me selling or closing those businesses. It always led to the misalignment in our vision between me and my wife. Always. It was, it was not money. And because right. um, I can run a business. I can do the, the things but it always was sacrificial. There was, a, there was something that gave. But I love that you brought that up. So how important, I mean, how much conversation did you and your wife have t- before you did this thing? Well, you know, like I said, my life, my, my professional life was kind of in turmoil um, to where I said, you know what? I've got to figure out, I'm approaching my 40th birthday. I have got to figure out where I'm going to plant my flag. And I need to commit to that. So knowing that that pending commitment, obviously my wife wants that too. Yeah. And so we started discussing it together, almost like business partners. My wife, God love her. She couldn't, she, she couldn't do our computer processing. Not that she can't, she doesn't know how to at this point. She doesn't do our computer processing. She doesn't do our accounting. She doesn't do our sales. She doesn't do our marketing. She doesn't do anything that I do in the business but she is an equal partner in its production because, you know, uh, I go to the point now I used to, I bought a boat one time without my wife's permission. She didn't even know it. Okay. And um, she never seen it. She signed the paperwork because I told her to, and I went and bought a boat without her Um, to now where I won't buy a computer screen without running it by her. Yeah. Not because I want her permission. It's just, she's a partner. Yeah. You know, she's a partner. So we talk about it. 
And um, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what's working. Here's what's not working. What do you think? And it's just, it's so much more fulfilling to have her in the driver's seat with me than to be fighting it constantly. Yeah. Because now she understands some of the struggle. Right. So, There's a lot to be said about making decisions together too. Not everything rises and falls. Uh, it, it just, the, as soon as my wife and I decided to align in the things that we were doing for income, or work is when we were fully uh, complimentary in and supportive of each other. And it was a, a huge step. And some people, maybe, maybe they have, you know, what we call dream killers in their marriage. And, and I don't know how to work through that, but um, if it's right, I would think that both would be on, on cue if it's right for the marriage and right for finances. Well, you know, for us, it, it started with a bigger purpose than a paycheck. And um, I was like, here's what I want to do. Here's how I think we can do it. What do you think? And then I shut up and let her talk. Mm -hmm. And I didn't try to correct her in what she was saying. I just listened. And if I can say there's not a harder thing that I've ever done in my life... <laughs> than to just shut up and listen when my wife starts talking um, and when I ask her what she really thought. And um, that's made all the difference in the world. I think that's a big reason why we're succeeding in what we're doing. It's because she's bought in. That right there is the message I want to close with because that is gold. That is gold. JC, thank you so much for sharing your story uh, about business, about parenthood, about being a husband. Um, I think we all have a lot to learn from your story, and um, I'm really pleased to have met you. It's been an honor. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you. And thank you to everybody who listened to this. We really appreciate our listeners, and if you have enjoyed this podcast by all means hit that subscribe button give us a review and uh shoot us a message scott at brotherhoodfatherhood.com um josh who was not with me today josh at brotherhoodfatherhood.com or if you are a man by all means hop on the book face and look up the group the brotherhood of fatherhood and get your rear into that group and see what's going on and continue listening to this podcast. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day.